Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, so we're going to move on into this third part of our spiritual, or sorry, our Holy Spirit series, and we, we've kind of dealt with the basics of the Holy Spirit as a person, part of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with us, and Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us to deliver and be the church that He has intended us to be. And so, the Holy Spirit is the most powerful, potent force that we can connect with on the earth today. Can I get an amen to that? And so. Another thing we need to understand is the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. And sometimes weird things happen, and it's okay. But it's important that the Holy Spirit is intended to be your best friend. It's not supposed to be something where it's like, you know, you go into a room, you're speaking to someone in a room, and you're just like, I don't really get that person. I don't really connect. Different interests, different personality. That's, the Holy Spirit fits you perfectly. Knows exactly how you're wired, exactly how you work. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit, we're thinking about someone, a person that fits you like a glove. Um, you, you know, just a few years ago, we got married and in the middle of COVID, and just it was a kind of rush. We had a six-week window to get married in Northern Ireland, uh, and so we went for it. And, you know, I've never got married before, um, so I didn't know really a lot of the details, asking for advice, and people were just saying, you need to get a wedding list. And so as we, we're like, all right, I guess. And I kind of wasn't sure, what, are people going to give? What should we pick? What's too much? I kind of fired a TV on there for the crack on the Amazon <laughs> wedding list, thinking, like, there's no one going to do it, but hey, who knows? Um, <laughs> and sure enough, someone bought it. Um, although it was Anna's parents. Uh, but, but all these different range of gifts, some were practicals. We had people write us letters. We had people give us just money. People were so generous. And it actually shocked me as even at the end of the day, we're like, oh my goodness, like, where are people getting this money from, first off? And, and even the fact that they chose to give it to us as a gift, it was, it was a beautiful thing. But I also noticed as I looked about it and thought about it, there was, there was people sending us messages of encouragement. There was people um, doing ceremonies and declaring what you know, the God's best over, over, over us. There was people who were speaking life into us, laying hands on us. There were people who were writing letters. There were people who were um, getting all kinds of different gifts for our house um, that we had picked and some surprises. And so there was a whole variation of gifts uh, that were given in different forms. It wasn't all just um, possessional gifts. There was words of encouragement. There were prayers, as I said. There were written gifts. There, were, there was designs. I think we still have Kathy's little creative design in our bedroom, just a beautiful idea that we still look at. And, and all of those things together just really blessed us and gave us an incredible start to our marriage. And, and really, when we look at the church and the gifts within the church, it's a bit the same. The way the church was supposed to operate like a family the gifts that, that are, were, were supposed to be in operation within the church are, are kind of the same. There's some people that write things. There's some people that create things. There's some people that serve coffee. There's some people that have the gift of helps, administration. There's some people that just organize the same way we organize our wedding. There was someone who could help us do that. 
Uh, all those gifts were so key, so important. There's some people who can just provide finances, and that's a special gift that they have. There's people who um, have the ability to pray, and, and they love to pray, and they think about praying all the time. And there's people who have the ability to come, and, and if they're stressed, they'll put their arm around us and, and just, hey, let's talk in this a bit of counseling time, and we've done all that when we were preparing for marriage as well. And so when we, we break it down, there's so many different gifts that God has designed the church to have through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to tap in that, into that today. So the question is, what is a spiritual gift? Well, here's a definition. Uh, a spiritual gift is any ability given to us and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do God's work here on earth. So it's, it's an ability, and sometimes it's a natural ability that God just breathes on, and for his purposes, uses. And sometimes it's an ability that we just don't possess naturally. And by the, this power of the Holy Spirit, we, we gain. Um, the word gift in the Greek is charismata. And it's literally, it literally means grace gift. So it's not something like, for instance, I've seen in some circles where like I speak in unknown tongues or languages. And people are saying it with a bit of pride in, in their heart as if I'm, I'm highly qualified. I've got a badge of honor. I'm, I'm special. But actually, that's never been the heart of gifts. The heart of gifts, it actually means, in, in the original language, is a grace gift, which means we, we didn't earn it. We never deserved it. God just gave it. In the same way, some of the, all those gifts that we got, people didn't have to give us anything, but it was by their grace. They chose to give us all kinds of various things, whether, whether it was a simple prayer, a writing, or, or something practical and physical uh, that they bought. But we don't earn gifts. We receive them. Um, so it's given, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So there's kind of two aspects. One is that we have natural abilities that are empowered by God, and the other is that we receive totally new abilities that we never had before, maybe really realized we had. And so I guess the question sometimes, is this a spiritual gift or is it not? Sometimes you can have a natural ability. For instance, someone might have the natural ability to speak, communicate with work or whatever, but then you might come up on the stage and it just doesn't land the same. You know, it's just information you're given, but there's just something not there. But the beautiful, beautiful thing about that is that God can actually put his hand upon that gift, that natural gift, and then all of a sudden, as you grow spiritually in, in a surrendered life to Christ, God can actually breathe on that, and that becomes something which some people would call anointed, or, or, or basically that's a, a fancy word for when you speak, people listen, and they get what God's trying to say through you. Um, same as someone could sing. They could be an incredible singer, a uh, pop singer or whatever, and, and an artist, but then they come to lead worship, but it's just not landing the same. It's just a performance. You've heard that said, oh, they're just performing in that church or that, in that environment. It didn't really land with me. Now, sometimes that's just your own personality. You don't like the music, but other times it, it can be that there's... God hasn't breathed on that person, or they don't really understand what they're singing, and so it just doesn't land the same. Um, so sometimes there is a fine line between natural abilities and God-given abilities, uh, and that's a process, and usually as you question, you speak to people and get feedback, then you kind of realize where you're at. To be quite honest, as I, I look back, <laughs> even at myself, when I was talking Years ago, I probably had fallen into the performance mode, and I look at myself, I'm like, who, who what's he doing? 
who's that, like that guy, I was stiff a bit, I was a lot stiffer, more calculated, it just wasn't, I wouldn't have liked it if I was sitting down, and I think hopefully I'm becoming more myself, more relaxed, and just more content in my own skin, and I believe God, as you, as you do that, you start to find out what are my strengths, where am I best, and I start to use my gifts hopefully more as I learn who I truly am and be my authentic self. So what do we do when we find there's a gift? I think, I think the first thing is to understand and know that you have a gift. As soon as you become a believer, what comes with that is spiritual gifts. God has just designed us to unlock what we have for others. It's not a case of, I'm not sure I have any, you do. If you're a believer uh, and you give your life to Christ, then spiritual gifts are just a thing. It's just there. It's just a case of finding out what that looks like. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, so what is the gift for? The gift is for the church. And what often can happen in culture, uh, outside of the church, is sometimes people get a gift which is impressive, which is a, t- which is a God-given ability, and they can start to use it for themselves. But you see here in the Scripture, it says it's for the common good. It's for the church. The gift was always supposed to be for the gathering of God's people. It's not for your own name. It's not to, to get a certain kind of website and put yourself out there. It was always designed. And that's often when things go wrong. Maybe a worship gift and all of a sudden, you, you, we see it today, a lot of the worship gifts are being used outside of the church. And then what happens is those people, theologically, because they need the church to keep them reined in, is they go loose, they go liberal on a lot of theology. Because why? They haven't submitted themselves to the local church. And so the gift is good, but they started to use it for themselves. And when there's financial gain, all those things get in the mix. It gets messy, it gets muddy. And then down the line, they've lost themselves with the gift God has given them. So it's so important that we know the gifts are for the church, for the people. Verse 11, it says, These are the works of the one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one. So everyone gets a gift. Now, some people have more gifts than others. Some people have gifts, they just don't know that they're there. So for instance, uh, we had Daniel over, Pastor Daniel from Romania, and he came into the house, and, and obviously he doesn't have reception over here, being on a different mobile phone carrier. And the first thing he says, hey Phil, can I have your Wi-Fi? Come on, when you're on holidays, you're just looking for the Wi-Fi. Um, and he came over to me, and I was like, wait there, I'll go get the little password thing from the BT Hub. And he's like, no, I don't need you to do that. Just open up your phone. And so he just clicks on our Wi-Fi and just says, accept. I'm like, what? what? I'd, never, I'd never known that, maybe you don't know this, but if someone comes with another iPhone and they click on your Wi-Fi, it then comes up on my phone, do you want to share? Share the passwords. They don't even have to go through the whole, you know, capital R and lowercase P and three and the two. Did you get that wrong? Oh, here we go again. Um, it's literally just hit share, and boom, he's got free Wi-Fi. And guess what I was doing with Luke as he was over in our house? Look, we see this, Luke, I want to show you something. <laughs> Known this for ages, you know, you probably don't know this, but let me show you. And so I was like, just click, I'll just click share, and he's like, whoa. Um, and so I had a gift, an ability in my phone. It was always there for however long when the update came. 
But I only started to use it in the last week or so because someone showed me what I had. And in the same way, in the church, let's be honest, a lot of the times, I remember hearing a stat that there's only like, in a lot of churches, there's only 5% of the people do 90% of the work. That was never God's intention for the church. It was never supposed to be just a few gifts being used, like preaching and teaching, and, and that's about it. It was always supposed to be, no, we, we, there's so many gifts that need to be activated in so many different ways. And when that happens, then the church becomes a powerhouse. It becomes a place full of love, kindness, goodness. It, came, it becomes a force to be reckoned with. It, it means that people who are discouraged become encouraged, get through storms instead of stay in them. People who are camping out in valleys all of a sudden start to pack up and get out of the valley. When the church is released into all that God has intended to be, and that's why we teach. That's why I'm teaching about it is so that then you realize, oh my goodness, I can share my Wi-Fi password with others. I've got gifts, I've got talents, and if I use them, it's a blessing. Because guess what? I felt good about it when I showed Luke my little phone and how I could get, and it saved me a lot of time, to be honest, as well. And so, number one, we got to discover our gift. It says in 1 Corinthians um, 12, there's kind of two areas within the Bible we see gifts listed, but I don't think it's fully comprehensive either. Um, but in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says in verses 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts, the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Different kinds, different kinds, different kinds. It's nearly as if Paul is speaking to the church and saying, listen, it's not just about one or two people here. It's not just about one or two gifts. It's not just about one or two things. It's not just about good worship. It's not just about good preaching. L listen, maybe you've been in, in, a, in, and this is where I see we've got to be careful. We don't just focus on one thing. You've maybe been in a church and they focus on just, they've got solid teaching, but their worship is terrible. It's as if they've just focused in on, we just want solid teaching, and that's the only vision we have really for this church. Or then, or then you go to another church and they just focus on good worship, but their teaching is a bit waffly, it's a bit light, it's a bit, there's no challenge, it's just kind of all about the worship and how I feel, and, and then can very quickly become emotionalism. Or you go to other churches and it's all about prophetic. It's all about the prophetic or, or, or the, the gifts of the Spirit, but they forget about the teaching. If laser focus on one thing and miss out the other. It's a bit like, have you ever seen a guy at the gym? <laughs> a few years ago, it used to be, bro, don't skip leg day. Don't skip leg day, bro. And, you know, with your mates and they're just doing their guns or they're just on the bench press and you're like, mate, what, your legs are like, they have chicken, you have chicken legs, bro. Like, you need to start doing a few squats if you're going to do the upper body. You know, Arnie on the top. <laughs> Mr. Bean on the bottom. It's like, don't skip leg day. And sometimes the church can end up skipping leg day and we just focus on a few things and forget the rest. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. It's a distraction from... from you, you probably can't really operate well if you're actually having to do something practical, but top-heavy, easier to fall over. Um, and so the church was designed to be balanced. 
If we're going to go forward in one thing, we need to go forward in another. If we're going to encourage people, we also got to think about discipline as well. We can't just always encourage you and tell you you're amazing without saying, hey, there's some things, there's a thing called sin that we fall into. It's a trap. And I want to warn you about it. We got to talk about those things as well. And so we want to talk about everything in, in a balanced way, because what often happens then, I've heard it time and time again where people, I remember I went to a church one time, or I was speaking to a person who was at a church, and I just kind of started going to this place, and, and this couple was kind of talking about themselves, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I've done this, and I'm like, okay, cool, just general information. And then they're like, oh, but I'm also, I'm a Christian, I gave my life to the Lord, and, uh, but I'm also baptized in the Spirit. <laughs> Like, okay, but they said it like, "Yeah, look at me." I'm like, Ugh. "Like what?" It sounds like something I don't want. The way you're saying it, as if I'm better than people now because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's the one thing we don't want to creep into the church because it's like you're saying that as if you earned it. You're saying that as if it's an achievement. No, that was a grace gift. It was given to you. Be thankful. You know, have an attitude. I'm so thankful God actually touched my heart in a way that I've never been touched before. He showed me his love in a, in a way that I'm just so happy to love you now. <laughs> so you don't, someone that is happy to love you doesn't need to tell you those things. You know, they don't need to blow their trumpet or, or play the I know this person card or that person. You, know, you ever met one of those people like, oh, I met this celebrity and he's, he's on my uh, Instagram or he done this. For, what, what are you trying to prove? I, you don't have to prove yourself to me. You're okay. And I think that's where we got to be careful. Sometimes that creeps in when we talk about gifts and talents. And, and that's why as, as worship leaders, as anyone on the stage, we got to make sure that we protect the heart. Because naturally what happens is pride grows. Pride grows in, in the dark, in our thoughts, in our mind. And, and we start to to get validation of what people think about us because of what God gave us. And that's why it's good to go back to the beginning. God, thank you for breath in my lungs perspective. Thank you for another day on planet earth. Thank you that it's you are the giver of life. And so that's my platform. That's where I begin and that's where I start. Um, but don't skip leg day. Here's, a, here's a, uh, not a comprehensive list, but here's a bunch of how many gifts there are and this is in our growth track as well. So there's administration, so organizing. Who knows that organizing church, organizing the barbecue, if anyone wants to help me with that, I know Julie's up for it, great organizer. That's a spiritual gift. That's an incredible ability. That's actually listed in some of the top gifts within the Bible. Apostleship, celibacy, craftsmanship, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, Exhortation, just encouraging people is a gift. Faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercession, prayer, knowledge, leadership, mercy, just having compassion on people is a gift. Miracles, missionary, music, pastor, poverty, prophet, um, teacher, interpreting tongues, tongues, wisdom, writing, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Because it's a gift when you give something to help someone else, really, when you break it down. So how do we get some of these gifts? Well, we ask God and we ask others. That's really what the, the, the growth track is about. You're essentially writing down information, which gives you feedback 
because of the way you're thinking and what you enjoy doing. Gives you feedback on what some of your spiritual gifts are probably. But it's, it's also a good idea to ask people, hey, what, am I, what do you think I'm good at? And sometimes if people have the gift of prophecy or word of knowledge or anything like that, they might see that already through God's eyes and might tell you and then you kind of start to realize, yeah, I actually find it easy when I am listening to people. I maybe have a gift to counsel, I have a gift to uh, pastor and shepherd people well. And say, listen, the gift of pastoring isn't just for a pastor. Actually, a lot of the times pastors, especially pioneering pastors, aren't, it's probably not their primary gift. But we call people pastors because it means shepherd to guide the church in, in, a, in a more uh, gathering type setting rather than individual. Um, the way a, a shepherd would guide the sheep doesn't necessarily need to have an individual conversation with the sheep. It's more about, hey, we're going in this direction. There's safety here. There's a hedge of protection, etc. So ask God and ask others, give it a go. Sometimes there's nothing that beats just give it a go. And then you'll find out. I, I was working in a school in, in Belfast, and it's one of these schools that's obsessed with football. And every kid in the school thinks they're going to make it. <laughs> I mean, they all think they're going to play for Man United, Chelsea, any of the Premier they, Honestly, and there's some of the guys you're just like, seriously? Like, no, no one has ever, like, they can barely kick the ball, but they still believe in their heart. And so that, sometimes, what I'm trying to say is sometimes when you're, believe, you're trying to figure out what your gifts are, it can be a bit messy. It can be a bit disheartening even when you realize, oh, maybe I keep trying to be good at this thing, but I never get picked for the team. <laughs> Some of you think you can sing, but you can't. <laughs> Sorry, it's that black and white, you just can't. And it's okay, because you have gifts it's just probably not going to be in the worship team unless we turn the mic off. <laughs> Here's another thing. There is actually a gift in leading worship without singing. I've actually witnessed it where if there's people on the front row who are actually worshiping with all of their heart, like Daniel, when Daniel came and we had a night service and Daniel's just, he's so passionate. Whoa, let's go. He can't, he can't sit still, but, but some people actually said to me, worship was especially on the right side where Daniel was sitting, people were going for it. Have you ever seen that video where it's about leadership and, and I think it's some sort of concert and everyone's sitting in a field and, and one guy just gets up and starts going nuts, like, yeah, whoa. Like, just losing it just doesn't care about anyone and all of a sudden another person joins him, like, I'm in, I'm in. Two becomes three, six, ten, twelve. Then all of a sudden the whole crowd rushes in, woo! That was leadership. He influenced a whole group of people, and now they're talking about it afterwards. That was the best field party we've ever had, whatever it was. And so there's gifts in all kinds of different ways. Daniel done an incredible job leading worship from the front. People experienced God in a deeper way probably than this side, because why? He just didn't care what people thought. He just lost himself a little bit, just was authentic before God. It wasn't a performance. I'm not saying some people don't do that. You've seen kids just putting their hand up. Like, everyone's putting their hand up. Woo! But, but there's, there's all, what I'm trying to say, there's all kinds of different gifts and abilities that you have and possess, and it's valuable, and it doesn't have to look like someone else. It doesn't have to, the only person you're competing against is yourself. God has incredible gifts in each and every one of you, and the beautiful thing is once you start to use it, you start to experience God's best for your life. 
There's nothing worse than just sitting and watching all the time. That's my job is to empower people and to pull those gifts out. And that's why we're talking about it right now. Maybe it looks like praying for someone. To be honest, I felt, felt a bit weird about praying for people uh, for a long time because maybe I had a few weird experiences and I, I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. And then I realized, you know what? This is about God doing a work in people. I'm just going to keep it simple, keep it biblical and lay hands on people and just do what the Bible says. And as I've done that, I've actually really come to enjoy it. As I've seen people be encouraged, uplifted, experience breakthrough. And, and when I keep it simple, what I'm doing is I'm saying it's not about me. I've seen people who pray for hours over the same person. I'm, I'm not saying you don't need deeper prayer sometimes or there's a, there's a deeper version of prayer, but I do think it gives God glory when we just, like, you see a lot of the prayers that Jesus made was literally get up and walk or, or it, was, it was literally so simple, come out. Demons come out. Whoa, that was like two words or three words or whatever. He's not, it actually says you don't have to go on and on like the other religious people do. God knows your heart. He knows what you're trying to do. And I just love the simplicity of that because it gives God the glory. Because I only said a few words, basic English words, Holy Spirit come upon. We had an experience during one of the Holy Spirit nights and I literally just said, come Holy Spirit, fill this person with your love. Boom. It was a gift from the Holy Spirit. It was a gift from God. And breakthrough happened, and that person has never been the same. It wasn't weird, but it was emotional. It was powerful. It was a game changer for that person as far as their direction. And I just love that because I can get no glory for that because all I'd done was made myself available. And I just wonder if we had a bunch of people that came together and actually started to try those things out in work. You know what? I'm just going to ask this guy if I could pray, pray with him or this, this girl if I can pray with her because she's just let me know that she's struggling with something. I'm, I'm going to keep it super simple, just a few words, and just let God do whatever he does. You know, God only needs a seed, of, a mustard seed of faith. He doesn't need all of your human effort and all of your... all of your artificially trying to articulate things and trying to create things, that, that's not God. Then that's us trying to build something like God, do something like God, when really when it's God, you don't need to, you need to lay it down. You need, you need to say, God, I need your help. I'm not going to try and fill this thing with loads of words to make up for my insecurity. I'm just going to, Holy Spirit, please come help this person through this situation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just authentic, real, and simple. Also, you need to use what's in your hand. What's in front of you? I remember Carl Gale years ago, just we had talked about as we're trying to do outreach. And, and I, I guess it was on my heart just to talk about just use what's ever in your hand. Whatever's in front of you, just use that. If you want, you want a place to do ministry, where do you work? Who's beside you? Who's your neighbor? Ask, ask God, God, what could I do? And it's a, it's a dangerous prayer, but it's an exciting one. Because you know God will put something on your heart. And he says, well, I guess I'm busy. I'm flat out, but, but I love volleyball. And the next thing he starts up, and he's still doing it, um, uh, a faith family volleyball group, which attracts you know, 50 people who play volleyball, young people uh, from all over the country. And it's incredible. And what did he do? He just used what was in front of him, what, it, what he already had, his natural ability, his natural interests were volleyball, and he just let God breathe on that. 
And who knows the impact he's having in those, those children's lives and those young people's lives by just bringing them together for a short period of time. Sometimes a, a mistake we make is some, we expect gifts to be perfect, that when we just go up and try something a prayer, it's going to be perfect, or we try um, encouraging someone, it's going to be perfect. But the problem is the only place that's, that's, that works out and there's no faults and there's no issues is a graveyard. It's just dead. There's nothing happens. It's silent. There's no activity. There's no mistakes. It's just stuck. There's no risks. There's no life. But when you try to use your gifts, it's a bit more like a nursery, a nursery school. Dale and Carla were just, Carla were just telling us about how they were on the way to a friend's house last week and they had an explosion in a nappy. And Dale had to look back twice to see, is that actually real? The, 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 the backseat has changed color. <laughs> it's, it's messy when you're trying to bring life into the world, a baby into the world, gifts into your world. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a bit messy, and it's okay. It's okay to be messy because usually messy is a sign of life. Who knows the church can get messy? They looked at me with a dirty eye look. They didn't say hello to me at the door. They're probably just busy looking for the coffee. Sometimes that happens. It's not perfect. Of course, we want to welcome every person that comes in, but sometimes someone gets stuck in a hard conversation. And so it's messy, and so we want to do better, but it's messy. Use your gifts to serve God and to serve others. It says in Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. But if you have a gift, you have to use it. I was actually praying this morning. I really feel, you know, I felt quite lethargic coming out of COVID and kind of weary and just like, I don't know what's wrong. And you know, I've realized and I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me for others as well. The way to get out of that is to move. How many of us have gym memberships but never go to the gym, but still expect change, still expect fitness, still expect to get stronger, but we, and we've signed up. How many of us have books on the bookshelf and we're impressed by the books we have as we walk past, like, oh, I'm so spiritual. Look at all those Bibles, look at all those spiritual books, but I haven't read one of them. I haven't benefited at all. And I know that any time that I've, for years, I'd stopped playing football, had a bit of an injury, and then I just felt a wee bit low. Just felt like, oh, I must be around the lads. It's, it was definitely doing something for me. And then I said, you know what, I'm just going to go try and get back. And honestly, I spent a year and a half injured with calf injuries. It was messy. It was annoying. I was showing up and pulling out in the, in the warm-up for the warm-up. And then so, so, someone one day told me to do a certain kind of calf raise, and I haven't looked back since. But it took to the end of the season for that to happen, the second season. But as I started to just even be in the changing room, be around guys, honestly, I came alive again. <clears throat> I felt all that weariness shifted. Started building relationships, being around people that I love to be around, that I was used to being around, that had things in common with. But I had to make a move that was uncomfortable, 
It was the opposite of being lethargic. I wasn't listening to, to my lethargic feelings anymore. I, I, I took a risk. It was a bit uncomfortable at the start going back there, but it was so worth it. You'll see me around the roads hobbling on a Sunday or a Saturday night after. It's sometimes painful, but I feel so alive. And I think that's the same with God as we use our gifts, activate our gifts. Don't be buying cars or ornaments just to sit there in your garage. At least Garfield brings his golf out and on again. I think it's been sitting in the garage for 20 years, but I think he brought it out recently. Because the car is designed to be used, to function, to move. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to finish up soon, 14 and 5 says that the church may be edified. Verse 26 says, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these things must be done for the strengthening of the church so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The gifts that you have are, are outward. They're never about yourself. They're always about others. But as you do that, as you serve in that capacity, activate those gifts, get into the messy middle, all of a sudden you start to get excited about the things of God. All of a sudden when you worship, you're thinking about that person that you serve that's struggling through a dark season and you're alive. There's breath in your lungs. There's purpose in your life. You're alive. See, gifts are given by grace, but you also have to grow in your gift by consistently Using them, says in 1 Timothy 4, do not neglect your gift, which was given, was given to you through a prophetic message. Now, this is, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, who he's mentoring. He's saying, listen, he's planted a church, and he's saying, listen, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, because half-hearted doesn't work so that everyone may see your progress. Meaning, progress takes time. Get on the journey. Don't expect perfection. It's not just on and off. It's progress. And then he goes on to say, Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. Don't neglect it. Fan it into flame. Meaning, if you don't fan it into flame, it's going to go out. If you ever... Not, not in this season, but in the winter. Maybe left the stove on or left the fire on and you got distracted and you came in and you hadn't been putting sticks or coal on the fire and it went out. It's the same with your gift. If you don't use it, often you lose it. But the beautiful thing is you can restart it. But it looks like an action. It looks like moving into something that's practical. Moving, if you want to learn to pray again and get that life back in your bones when you pray for people because you love to pray then just start simple start with someone in your house start with someone right beside you start with the nearest person and the simplest prayer you want to get back into scripture reading and letting God fill you up in prayer and petition start with a 10 second prayer start start with a, a verse and you'll find It'll multiply. You'll find the fire will spread. You'll find the fire will get hotter as you go. Develop it, use it, and you'll get better as it goes on. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Jesus said in, in Luke 9 and 13, If you then, though you're evil, know how much to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more does your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask for the gift. But the, the key part is seek the giver, not the gift. Seek the giver. I'll finish with this last story. Uh, and this is a common story, but there was a celebrity. And she married for money. She married for what this guy could give her. And the problem with that was the marriage didn't last because the, the, the gift ran out. Because the foundation was wrong. And so that's why it's so important that we seek the giver, the relationship with God rather than what he can give us. Because the relationship probably won't last if it's not built on the right foundation. We don't just worship God for what he can give us. We worship God because of who he is. Because he's already given us life, but sometimes life is given and it's taken away. And it's not our job to work it out. It's not our job to understand it because we can't. But it's our job to say, God, for the life that you've given me, for the time that it lasts, I will serve you. I will build your kingdom. I will use what you've given me. Let's not be, be like that, that person in the parable of the talents who, who when, his, when his boss went away and gave him a gift, gave him a talent, gave him an amount, he just buried it. And the parable goes that Jesus told that, that that person who just buried his gift in the sand and just gave back the gift that he had, didn't use it, didn't invest it, didn't do anything with it. He says, you, you faithless, you faithless servant. It was harsh. And so the question is, we're living, we're breathing for a certain, certain amount of time in eternity, but have you hidden your gift? Have you diligently seeked out your gifts? Have you asked God, what are my gifts? Because that's what God asks of you, requires of you to be faithful. And listen, it's not prideful to ask what gifts I have because listen, it's not about us. God has given it to you by His grace. You didn't, you didn't earn it, so don't think through the filter of, I don't want to be like all oh, prideful. You're not being prideful. You're being faithful. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.